0: John chapter 17, as we continue our series through the gospel according to John on Sunday mornings, this chapter is often called the high priestly prayer of Christ as we get a foreshadow of what the Lord is doing now at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. This prayer is shortly before Jesus' betrayal. I just want to clarify that this isn't the prayer that he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know I say often that this is just before his betrayal, and he will pray again when they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, but they are not there yet. They're still making their way down the Mount of Olives. In fact, we'll see in the beginning of chapter 18 and verse 1 that they will cross over the brook Kidron and then enter into the Garden of Gethsemane. So I didn't want to confuse anybody when I say that but that event there will take place immediately following this. And we read verses 20 through 26 last week. Let's do that again. The Bible says in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, But I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so last week we considered verses 21 through 23. We saw how it's important for us to be unified. And we certainly could take more time drawing out more applications and truths from those verses, but I want to kind of keep moving. And believe it or not, as long as we've been in John, I've done that quite a bit through this study, and I say that just to tell you, don't think you're getting all you need from me. You can combine all the commentaries, and they have yet to mine all the treasures that are hid in the Word of God. And I just want to encourage you on your personal time. I hope you're studying the Word of God. What we focused on last week is Jesus' desire for believers to be unified while upon this earth. And the prayer is for us to be unified together as God and Christ are unified. Therefore, the basis of our unity is to be God and His Word. The membership of our church, those who have joined with Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, we have done so as one because we have made a profession of faith. We have been baptized by immersion in this church or in a like-minded church. We have looked at our statements of faith and we have said, yes, these are the fundamentals that we agree on. And we have become unified as a result of these things. The basis of our unity, our faith, and our practice is contained in the Word of God. And we dare not base our unity on any other man or any other teaching outside of God's Word. We saw from verse 23 last week that the reason our unity is vitally important is because the world needs to be saved. The Bible says, Jesus there praying says, that the world may know that Thou hast sent Me. The world needs to know that Jesus came to die for them, to save them, and that He loves them just as much as He loves us. And so we all need to be unified. We all need to be one voice as we go out to the world. And if we are one spirit, then we will be of one voice. Our unity or our disunity will affect our outreach. And that's a humbling thought. When we get disunified, when we're no longer dwelling together in unity, we'll get our eyes, our focus, off of the great commission that Jesus gave the church. Because we're so concerned with the infighting that's taking place in here. And the loss are depending on us, whether they know that or not, whether they would put it in those words or not, they are depending on us to remain unified so that we can be effective. Because they're de- they need to hear who's going to tell them. It's going to be churches that have their act together. So we need to show them a true representation of God's love. And if you just think about it, when a church gets divided, when there's disunity, they're not effective. And typically what they do is they, they want to disagree with every Christian. Right? Whoa, 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 we're supposed to be unified. Surely there are some fundamentals that we can rally around and say, Yes, you're not the devil. Now let's go reach people for Christ. And so we've just got to be careful about it because we want to reach the lost. But if we are a bunch of infighting people, the sheep will scatter. And they'll have no pastor, they'll have no shepherd. And and I'm talking about the great shepherd. And, And so we've got to make sure we remain unified. And so Jesus, we saw last week, He prays for our unity upon this earth. But what I see this week as we begin in verse 24 is that Jesus wants us united together with Him in glory. Look at what verse 24 says again. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory. And so Jesus wants us united with Him in heaven, in eternity, in, in glory with Him. Now, where is Jesus about to be? Lord, I want them to be with me. He's not long for this world. He's going to lay down His life here the next uh, day. And He's going to be crucified. Of course, we know He's going to be buried, but thank God He'll rise again. He'll be ascended to the Father. And Jesus says, I I pray that they will be where I am. And I think we would all say amen to being with the Lord this morning. But where our amens get less enthusiastic is when we consider the means by which God is going to answer Jesus' prayer. How is it that we're going to be united to Christ? It's going to have to be through death. Outside of that generation which will be taken out of here, we're going to die. It is through death that God will answer Jesus' prayer. And I found Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional very interesting on this because he talks about the conflict between what we pray for a dying loved one and what Jesus has just prayed here. And I want to read it to you. It's a little bit lengthy, so stay with me. But this is what he wrote, quote, Death smites the goodliest of our friends, the most generous, the most prayerful, the most holy, the most devoted must die. And why? It is through Jesus' prevailing prayer. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. It is that which bears them on eagles' wings to heaven. Every time a believer mounts from this earth to paradise, it is an answer to Christ's prayer. A good old divine remarks, many times Jesus and His people pull against one another in prayer. You bend your knee in prayer and say, Father, I will that Thy saints be with me where I am. Christ says, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am. Thus the disciple is at cross purposes with his Lord. The soul cannot be in both places. The beloved one cannot be with Christ and with you too. Now which pleader shall win the day? If you had your choice, if the king should step from his throne and say, here are two supplicants praying in opposite to one another, which shall be answered. Oh, I'm sure though it were agony, you would start from your feet and say, Jesus, not my will but thine be done. Amen. You would give up your prayer for your loved one's life if you could realize the thoughts that Christ is praying in the opposite direction. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Lord, thou shalt have them. By faith we let them go. End quote. If the Lord tarries, then we will say goodbye to a loved one. Many of you already have. Hopefully a saved loved one. And for those of us who have already experienced those emotions of seeing the death of a loved one in Christ, we should find comfort in these words in which Jesus prayed. It was God's way of answering Jesus' prayer. And no wonder Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints. And yet, there are those who are living at odds with God because of the the death of a loved one. Someone important in their life passed away when really it was all God's way of uniting them to Christ. And listen, I'm not being ugly. I hope you know my heart. I know it's hard to go through the death of a loved one. But if you're mad at God, because God called someone home, then you are essentially saying that God shouldn't answer Jesus' prayer. And it's selfish because you're wanting your will on earth over God's will in heaven. And listen to me, I'm just trying to help you. Because I deal with this. This is a very common thing that people come to me with. And they're sideways with God because someone died that they didn't feel like should have died but we're all going to deal with it until the Lord returns. Just remember, it's an answer to Jesus' prayer. I'm not saying there shouldn't be mourning. I'm not saying there won't be grieving. I'm not even saying there won't be sorrow. But The Bible says we are not to sorrow like those who have no hope. We have the blessed hope. That's what sets us apart. And so when one of our loved ones dies, we can rest in the fact that it's God's will. It's God's way of answering Christ's prayer that we might be united with Him and behold His glory. I don't think any of us are running, wanting to run to the finish line and experience the pains of death. But it's coming. Now, Just allow this thought to penetrate your heart. Jesus wants to be with you. What a thought. What a thought. Jesus wants to be with you for all eternity. And I can't help but ask myself, why would God want to spend eternity with someone like me? And listen, I don't understand it all, but I do know this, God loves me. And aren't you glad that God loves us in spite of us? The only reason we love Him is because He first loved us. He came searching for us. He left the glories of heaven to make a way for mankind to be saved. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. We are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. We esteemed Him not. We didn't desire Him, but He desired us. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Lord hath laid the iniquity of us all upon Him. He was oppressed and He was afflicted. He was taken from prison and from judgment. For He was cut off out of the land of the living. Because of our transgressions, He was stricken. He was scourged. He was mocked and beaten. He had a crown of thorns mashed into His head. He carried His cross as far as He could up to Golgotha's hill. And there at the place of the skull, they laid Him upon the cross. They fastened His feet and His hands to that old rugged cross. And they raised Him up between heaven and earth because the world didn't want Him. And heaven couldn't receive Him yet. And that cross which is so despised by the world was stained with blood so divine. And I'll cherish that old rugged cross. Amen. For it was on that old cross that Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Amen. Amen. He died for sinners. Amen. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And He made His soul an offering for sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He hath poured out His soul unto death. And He was numbered with the transgressors. And He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. He made His grave with the wicked, though He was the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He died a violent sinner's death and shed His blood and laid down His life for us. How can it be? How can it be? The songwriter wrote, His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross He carried bore my burden. The nails that held Him set me free. His scars of suffering brought me healing. He shed his blood to fill my soul. His crown of thorns made me royalty. His sorrow gave me joy untold. He was despised and rejected, stripped of his garments and oppressed. I am loved and respected, and I wear a robe of righteousness. His life for mine. His life for mine. How can it be that he should die? God's son should die. To save a wretch like me. What love divine. He gave his life just for mine. And how can it be? Because Romans 5 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, how can it be? Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He did it all just to be with you. And don't ever doubt that God loves you. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And as a result of placing our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, we are going to be with Him one day for all eternity. And if that's not enough to cause you to bow your head in thanksgiving, then you must be lost. He had nothing to gain. We had everything to lose. But now thanks to Christ and His sacrifice, we'll be united together with Him, beholding His glory forever and ever. And there'll be no end to our unity with God. Jesus said in John 14, 1-3, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a pilgrim in this land. I'm a stranger in a foreign place. I have here no continuing city but I seek for one to come whose builder and maker is God. You see, it's a city where there's no need of the sun. It's a city where there's no need of light from the moon. It's a city where the glory of God and the Lamb will be the light thereof. It's a place of eternal day because there's no night there. It's a city where nothing can enter into it which will defile it. But only those who have been written in the Lamb's book of life will enter therein. It's a place where God will wipe away all of our tears. It's a place where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have all passed away. And what makes it so special is that Jesus Christ will be there. And I'll get to walk with my Savior down the golden street. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. My Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Amen. And while I had plans of finishing this chapter this morning, let me just say this. The Lord is coming again. Amen. I want to tell you, it's going to be worth it all when we see Christ one glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase so bravely run the race till we see Christ. one day the Lord will come in the clouds with power and great glory the Lord is going to send his angels and with the great sound of a trumpet the Lord will gather his elect the Bible says in first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are Alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. First Corinthians fifteen, fifty one through fifty eight says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The day is coming when God the Father is going to look at God the Son, and He's going to say, The time is fulfilled. And it's time for you to go get your blood-bought bride. Amen. And I'm going to be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And He saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, we have an inheritance this morning. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, through 3-4, Blessed be God and, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I want to tell you, I'm excited about that day. I'm excited about that day. You say, boy, you want to die? No, not particularly yet, but I'm excited about that day, amen. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to see Christ. You say, what makes you so sure you're getting in? Because I know Christ and Christ knows me. And when I got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in and I was sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible tells us over in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. You, you, got, you got to hear the word of God to get saved the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm owned by God. Listen, I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. Whoop! Say, why do you say that? Because I get people mad at me. And that's where they tell me to go. And you can just look at them and say, I can't. I've been washed in the blood of Christ. And listen, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. But I can tell you this, dear friend. We can read what Luke said. and, And listen, he said, look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. And I want to tell you, it's closer today than it's ever been. It's closer today than when I got saved 30 years ago. Amen. William Walford penned the words in 1845, till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height, I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and I'll shout while passing through the air. Farewell, farewell. Sweet hour of prayer. The day of our faith will be made a sight one day. And it's close. You don't have much time on this earth. I'm looking to get caught up out of here. Some preacher said, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. The Bible says of those in Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 16 there, it says, these all died in faith, having not received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Listen, I'm not looking for anything from this world. But I've seen what's in store. I've seen it afar off by faith. And I'm persuaded of it. And I've embraced it. And I know that I'm going to be there one day. And I don't want to go back to the country that Jesus Christ died to pull me out of. I'm looking to that heavenly country which God has prepared Jesus says in Matthew 25, 34, in a parable, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hey, listen, one day all this is going to be over. Did you hear what I said? One day this is all going to be over. We'll be forever united with Christ, beholding His glory. And what a day that will be. Paul said, For me to die is gain. And then he wrote just a few verses later, he says, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. There, there ain't nothing worth hanging on to in this world. So don't set your affections on the things of this earth. The earth and all that is contained therein one day, are there, they're going to be burned up. That's what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 11-14. It says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. You know what Jesus said? He said, labor not for the meat which perisheth. But He said, labor for that which the Son of Man shall give unto you, unto everlasting life. Jesus also said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We have no eternal reward here on earth. But when Jesus returns, He will return with our reward. The Bible says in Revelation twenty-two twelve, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according to as his work shall be. What are your rewards going to be on that day? 1 Corinthians three thirteen through 15 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The only works which are going to count is that which we've done with, for Christ. That's right. I don't think God's that impressed with my Air Force career. Now, if my mom was here, she'd tell you all about it. Amen. <laughs> hey, but I'm not going to wow Christ with what I did. Listen, I understand you've got to have a job. You've got to pay bills. You've got to provide for your family. That's the the way God has intended it. But what are you doing for Christ? Are you working with eternity in view? Some work for earthly rewards. They want stuff. Some work in hopes that one day they'll never have to work again. And that's a privilege, not a right, by the way. It's hard to get away from the command, six days thou shalt labor. But what are you doing that's going to last for all eternity? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Would you say you're ready for the Lord's return by how you've been working for Him? Will He be pleased when you meet the Lord? Are you going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You see, one day we're going to be united with Christ, beholding His glory. And I don't want to be ashamed of what I never did for him. But what are you doing for him? Well, you don't understand. I work nine to five. That's your mission field. That's right. We need to work for the night is coming. That's right. Listen, you don't want to be that person that's never worked and you get to the end of your life and now you don't have the strength to do what you used to could do. You're going to want to know you worked for the Lord while you still had your strength. So let's labor for Him while we still have time. Make this life count. Because it's the only one you get. Let's pray.